Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul On Demand Season 2, Episode 28 with country icon Joe D. Messina. Tell me, when's the first time that you ever heard Heads Carolina, Tales California on the radio? I was down in Tampa. They played it uh, after we did the radio tour. And I remember I was in my hotel room. I called my mom and I'm like, Mom, listen, they're playing it on the radio. And so I put the phone up to the ra- I could have been playing the CD for all she knew, right? But, <laughs> but I was like, look, Mom, they're playing my song. And- a podcast episode with a country icon, Joe D. Messina. Thank you so much in advance for listening to this episode. If you could, hit like, subscribe, uh, all that stuff. It all helps us out. Give us a rating, a comment. This podcast is part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network. Uh, we're hanging here with Joe D. Messina. What's happening? Um, not much. What's going on with you? Not a whole lot. So good to see you. We've been seeing you everywhere lately, oh, especially. Goodness. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, we've been having fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, your new song, Just to Be Loved. Yes. Uh, tell me about that. It is a song, um, oh gosh, I wrote it with um, Jess Cates, Jordan Mahalowski, say that 10 times fast, <laughs> and Tim Nichols. It was a song that came about after we, I walked in for a writing session and we were talking about text messages that that I saw on my phone from my then 13-year-old son. And then uh, we started to talk about uh, one of the other writers, daughter's friend, how she just felt weighed down and and depressed due to the, you know, the comparison she found online. And so the whole song tells a story about a girl that was, you know, like like your little ones, right? Mm-hmm. So she's she's four. She's she can take on the world. She doesn't care if her teeth are dirty or her fingernails are dirty. She doesn't care if her face is a mess, if her clothes don't match, if she's you know a little chubby, whatever. She doesn't care. She's gonna take on the world. And then boom, you know, in the song, and the little girl opens up the door to the world of comparison on social media, and she starts to change to get that like or to get that follower. She changes the way she looks or the way she acts or. Starts hanging in different places just so she can fit what she thinks she's supposed to be. And that that song says, you know, you're loved just the way you are and you're beautiful just the way you are. Don't change who you are just to be loved, like loved according to the world, because, you know, God loves you perfectly just the way you are with a a perfect love. And so you're already loved. So don't try to, you know, chase everybody else and. And be like everyone else, because it will never add up. Is that crazy for you? Because you wrote songs and, you know, the time, it seems prehistoric, but it's not before social media to now be referencing social media in in your songs. Is that weird to you? It's neat in the sense of um, I know what it's like to be 14 years old and compare yourself, you know, with the other kids in high school. And now these kids are comparing themselves to every other kid in every other high school across the world. Do you know what I mean? It's massive. It's multiplied. And so, you know, I always felt like I wasn't pretty enough or I was too short or I didn't have the coolest clothes. And that was just the kids in my hometown. Now you've got the world and you're comparing yourself to, you know, excuse me, the kids in L.A. or the kids in New York City. And they're so different. And just because the culture is different or you're just trying to catch up with everyone else across the world. And as hopeless as it seemed as a, you know, in a small town, now they have to deal with. You know, the access of right. everyone all over, the, all over the world. We need a song like this. It's good. It brings hope to the kids. You know, <laughs> yeah. it really does. Well, it's trying to get them rooted in the truth. And the truth yeah. is that God created you perfectly. He loves you with the perfect love. And you don't need to change who he made you to be just to fit into these cultural group, groups that you find online because you're just beautiful as you are. 
Would you ever um, put out a full, would you go into the Christian music uh, area? Would you put out like a religious album? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think that my home is country music. Uh, my love is for Christ. So, and, and we've been very fortunate that, you know, country music is welcoming to that and that they understand it. You know what I mean? We, it's, it's founded and based in the Bible Belt. So, um, but in people, you're not speaking to people a complete foreign language when you talk about Christ. You're, you're talking to them, you know, this is something that's familiar to them. And they might not go to church, but they've heard of Jesus. And they, you know what I mean? So it's just really connecting the dots. Okay. Uh, obviously, she had me at Heads Carolina brought up some fresh attention to your song. Um, when you originally heard your song, um, or I'm sorry, when you heard Heads Carolina, how did you feel originally when you when you heard Cole I, Swindell's version? Oh, Cole's version. She had me in Heads Carolina. Yeah, sorry about um, that. Yeah. The, so the, the original writers for Heads Carolina, Tales California, one of them sent me a copy of the song and said, hey, I just wanted to give you a heads up. And so I heard it and I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. The, and, and, and it took me a second. And I had to listen to it again. And I was like, well, this is kind of cool. Of all the songs that they could pick from that genre or that era, that era they chose Heads Carolina. Which is, it, it kind of makes sense to me in the sense of, like, if you were to choose one of my songs, because it's one of the bigger ones, it's actually the number third. Bye Bye, I'm All Right, Then Heads Carolina are the most listened to songs wow. <laughs> of my catalog. And so, but it was just really neat to have them, you know, as, refer to it as, you know, now, a, we, a standard, pretty much. Did you hear, like, a demo when you originally No, heard I heard it? the record. The re- okay. Yeah, I didn't know they were going to cut it until after it was cut. Wow. Yeah. Now, how long did it take for you to be like, okay, like when you first hear it, do you feel the need to instantly reach out to Cole Swindell and the writers or how does that process work? Cause I had spoke to Cole right when it came out and he said he hadn't heard from you, but the song was fresh or something. Um, yeah. So what happened there was, it, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't know this for sure. This is just what I heard on my end from people that have no, no authority, but I heard it was not supposed to be a single. And then when it when they decided to make it a single, um, that's when Warner Brothers reached out and was like, hey, I'd like to connect you with Cole. Hey, would you like to be a part of the video? Would you like to be a part of the CMAs? Would you like to come? You know what I mean? And would you like to do the remix kind of a thing? So I think it was just really a fun song until I guess the album shipped or something. And then they, they changed it and made it a single. But I don't. That's not right, right, like, right, right. That, I don't know that that's hundred percent accurate, but that's just what I heard on my end. And then you went in and kind of added vocals to, yes, yeah, yeah. What was the process of that? Like, um, it was pretty easy. We went in and uh, they recut the song. Um, thank heavens. I, I went in and originally sang it on his version, which was I think five and a half steps up from the original. Um, and so they cut it a half step down for him, so that it was only four. And a half steps up for me. I have no four. idea what that means. It, it means <laughs> I sing, baby, what do you, and he sings, baby, what do you say? You know, oh. It's really high. So they, they, the <laughs> okay, remix okay, is like okay. a half step down so that I could, because they, they sing it and then they're like, the, her voice doesn't sound as rich as, as it usually does. So I'm like, yeah, that's because I'm singing with me. <laughs> <laughs> so they recut it, and then I went in and did the vocal. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that story. Uh, what, what's, what was it like being back on the ACM stage? Oh, my gosh. The CMAs and ACMs were so much fun for me. There was no, no pressure, right? I'm singing a song I've sung for, you know, about yeah. 373 years. So, <laughs> so I just got out there and had a blast. I had a good time with it. Was that the first time your kids have seen you on a stage that, that big? 
Um, I don't think my kids saw me, quite frankly. What? I think they're unimpressed with what I do. What? They grew up on the road and on the bus going to festivals, and it's just another day of work for mom. <laughs> That's Jeez, what... Really? They yeah. didn't like, like DVR and no. watch it the next no. day? It was huge All country music news. All the things they watch news. on YouTube, NHL wins over. I, wow. I, don't think they, I don't even think they watched it on YouTube. Like that was the hugest news that you came out, because I had interviewed Cole like on Radio Row, and I specifically asked him. I was like... Is she coming out? And he he was like, he no. Say? He was like, no. He danced around it. I don't know. I don't think so. You know, that's I don't why think... I didn't do the red carpet because I'm like, first of all, if they see me here, yeah. they're gonna know that why I'm here. He and then danced if they around ask it so me, hard. I'm the worst liar. And I'm like, if they ask me, <laughs> I can't get around it. So let's just not do the red carpet. So I did not do the red carpet for that. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, what walk me through the first time you heard your song Heads oh, Carolina gee. on the radio? On the radio. Yeah, where oh, were you? I was in Florida, Tampa Bay, um, down in Tampa, I was trying to think of the PD who I love to death. But anyways, I was down in Tampa. They played it uh, after we did the radio tour. And I remember I was in my hotel room. I called my mom and I'm like, Mom, listen, they're playing it on the radio. And so I put the phone up to the ra- I could have been playing the CD for all she knew, right? But, <laughs> but I was like, look, Mom, they're playing my song. And so I was so excited. That's so cool. Yeah. Does it still feel the same way? It does. It does. It does. When I'm going through Walgreens and I hear Lesson and Leave, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> 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 That's so cool, man. Um, your kids are of the age. Have they asked you to call in any favors? Like, uh, hey, Mom, I, can you give me Taylor Swift tickets? Or um, Not concert-wise, more hockey-wise. What have you had to do, like, for like Preds tickets and Well, stuff? we've done the Preds games. We've done the anthems. We did a thank you, NHL. Thank you, thank you. Um, we got to play. We got to go to the NHL Awards that was here in Nashville, and then we got to play right before the draft, and my kids went to the draft. Oh, wow. So... They got to see Connor Bernard be picked up by the Blackhawks and, you know, see all the trading going on and how that works on the floor when, I mean, it's crazy. So that's when they were not over the fact that mom's been doing this, you know. Yeah, that and, the, <laughs> and we got a, um, a guided tour of Disney. So, But I don't think they, they get it. I'm going to make them wait in line. We had a conversation, me and my 11-year-old yesterday. Okay, I was like, okay, if we go back, what, what ride would you wait in line for? Because it would be six hours, four hours, three hours. And he was like, uh, either Tron or Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> so, so one of those two. You'll see us in line. You're almost going to go back just to show them what it's yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They need to know. I love that. That's great. Do you enjoy success at this point in your life differently than when you were making hits in the 90s and 2000s? Well, success looks different to me now. That was my identity. And then I came to know Christ, who is my identity. That's who I'm his. You know, I do belong. I belong to him. I am loved by him. Back in the 90s, it was, oh, my gosh, if this doesn't do well, they won't like me. They don't like me. Oh, my gosh, I'm not good enough. I'm not. Do you know what I mean? That Mm -hmm. was a total beating session for me. And I was telling the other guys, um, I was talking to folks earlier, and I was like, when we had a number eight song, we came off a number one song, Downtime Comes Out, hits number eight, and they're like, she's done. Failure. Epic fail. And I was just like, no, I, I want to go any higher, you know, and it was wow. always because once you ring the bell, you have to ring the bell again and ring the bell again. And it's never ending or else you're 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 seen as a failure. And that's not true. We're not. You're not a failure because, mm. you know, your radio show comes in at number two this week. Right. Right. You know what I mean? We had a lesson leaving set at number 
Two, I think it was for eight weeks behind Amazed. Uh, anyways, and we both lost our bullet at the same time and fell out. But um, and I remember feeling like such a failure. I was like, I don't want to go on stage. My song is still sitting at number two. Oh. And I remember someone saying, the, the people don't know where your song is on the chart. Yeah. We're focused on it in the industry. But the people are just like, I love this song. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't ever like that's true. Cause like on the radio, I'm not like, this is was number one because people are, they don't care. They, they know you how the song makes them feel. You can say that about all my records. Okay. You, Thank uh, you. I will not stop. Doesn't with you. have to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another number one from Jody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, how about the live show? Is that just as much fun? It is. Yeah. It is electric. Um, we do all sorts of hits. We share a couple new songs, um, stuff I'm writing. We do a couple covers, which are really, you know, just, Full of energy and we love it. And the the crowds have so much fun. You should check out my socials. It's all ages. There's like twenty something year old guys in from last weekend. There's like a few groups of these guys and they're singing every word, even to like stand beside me or lesson and leaving. One of the guys was like. I'm a foolhearted man. You know, he's pointing to himself. I'm listening and leaving. <laughs> That's <laughs> so awesome. Funny. Yeah. yeah. Are the crowds, uh, how are they nowadays compared to back then? Are they rowdier? Are they less? Um, I would say it's the same. They are just, country music fans are very enthusiastic and it's wonderful to be a part of that community. A number of artists have had things thrown at them recently on stage and got uh, hit with like in, in the face. Have you ever had anything thrown at you? We used to have quarters thrown at us. And then I think Travis Tripp, who was in he- ahead of me on that, um, started telling people, don't do that, man. It's dangerous. Because when you get hit with them, someone's throwing them as hard as they can to get them in the stage. And then you get hit with them. It doesn't matter if it's in the head, in the arm, in the knuckle. You know, like, it's like, oh, just out of nowhere, yeah. pelted. Why do you think fans are doing that now? Do you think it's for, like, an autograph, or do you think... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Um, what's the weirdest thing you've ever had to sign? A loaf of bread, I think. <laughs> Tell me about that. What oh, is man, that? I think it was ah. obviously for people that owned a bakery, and they're like, can you sign this? I'm like... At some point, this is not going to be good. <laughs> like, it's, if, if, you know, even if the signature stays, part of it's going to start to deteriorate. So, um, you recently shared that Tim McGraw was a, a big part of your career. Oh, yeah. Um, who was in your circle back then, back when you first started? My circle was really small. I didn't know anybody. You know, I was new to Nashville and I met Tim and I met Byron and I met a couple other people and um, Stephanie Orr, who was in charge of my website back then and still is today um so a lot of it wasn't a lot of people in that circle it was very small and i didn't you know go out and drink and i didn't party and i didn't go to the bars so all that networking never happened it just happened by chance that somebody heard me here somebody heard me there and then you know i ended up getting a deal but that was mcgraw that made that happen Wow. And, and do you talk with him often or how does that we work? we do not talk but we did do a show together a few weeks ago and got to get caught up on stuff and I said, you know, I was like, thanks for a great life. You know, I don't think he realizes that. When I first started off, I was very timid and, and, and I didn't want to, you know, ruffle feathers. I didn't want to shake the cart. You know what I mean? And McGraw was like, no, she needs to do this. So like, listen and leaving. He wanted to do that for the first record. And they were like, nope, nope, can't do it. You know, t- can't do remakes. And so then the second record, he's like, okay, we need to do lesson and leaving. And so he was adamant and loved it and just heard it. He heard that song from like three years before we cut it. So. Um, he knocked open a lot of doors for me, um, at that point in time. So he was, he was uh, instrumental. So I got to say to him, you know, the other day I said, I don't know if I've ever said this, but thanks for a great life. 
you know, thanks for knocking those doors open. What did he say? I think we cried. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. I think we both got a little teary eyed. He didn't know what to say. I don't yeah. think he knew how to respond. I mean, his natural response would be, nah, I didn't have anything to do with that. But he did, you know, so. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That's a cool story. Yeah, thanks. Um, are, are there any younger artists that have uh, that you've taken a liking to or maybe that you're mentoring? Oh, no, I'm not mentoring anyone. Um, I always tell folks if they need prayer to call me or if it gets overwhelming. Um, you know, like people like Lanny Wilson, who I know love Jesus. And, you know, she's in the middle of the throes of things. And it's like, girl, if you feel like you're losing your footing, call me. I'm here. You know, and um, and I just love that. I'd love that to be that for people. I wish I had someone like that, you know, when I was coming up through the ranks yeah. just to say, OK, OK, if you feel like the world's getting too fast, come to me and I'll bring you to him. I'll bring you to the father. <laughs> you have to do a Christian album. You uh, have to. You know. have to. I don't know. <laughs> it's all leading there. Well, I don't know. They're they're pretty closed door to people that are not, you know, 100% yeah, in that industry. But I got you. I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, one final question. Uh, it's Throwback Thursday. You're calling into a radio station to request a song. It can't be yours. What are we requesting? Oh, my gosh. Uh... It can't be mine. Uh, oh boy, there's so many. Uh, Trisha Yearwood, "Walk Away Joe." How about that? Good song. That boy's just a walk away Joe. Good oh, song. I know. Are she, you guys friends? Uh, yes, we are. I could text her right now. You Usually, ever- she's in Vegas, so she's asleep. <laughs> but I've like we FaceTime like we played this show I don't remember where it was but anyways we were in this it was I want to call it a club but it was massive it's like 3,000 3,500 people oh, you know wow. it was a yeah, huge yeah. like performance hall and before the show they played She's in Love with the Boy and they went nuts and they were singing it so loud so I went out on stage and I called Trisha and I FaceTimed her I was like hey Trisha and I'm like, these people got something they want to say. So the band started playing She's in Love with the Boy, but I let the audience say, she was in the gym. Wow. By the way, she's no, she, surprised she didn't kill me. She had like no makeup on. She's like sweating. Uh, and, but I showed her the audience and, and just, it was so much fun to share that with her. Because so I was like, cool. oh my gosh, listen, they're singing every word. They love it. That's so cool. It is. What a bright, you're such a bright light for country music. I, I appreciate <laughs> I you still shining. Oh, you know? Thank you. Yeah, Thanks thank you for, for coming that. by. Sure. All right, and we will bring in Billy Dukes from behind the camera to talk about this interview with the country icon, Miss Messina. First thing that's interesting to me is kind of like how she became more comfortable throughout the course of this interview. I mean, this is a pretty long interview, and at first, I don't know, maybe she was a little anxious, a little nervous, but by the end, she was telling some really fantastic stories. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, I really didn't know how to take it either. I was a little nervous, too, because, you know, she's she's a country icon, per se. You know, she's been around for a long time, and she's uh, hitting, you know, now from the Cole Swindell song to a bunch of, dare I say, kids that never even knew what that song was. So I don't know if maybe... She doesn't feel like she's as famous and popular as she is, or if she's always been like that. I I kind of almost wondered, and and I thought this while she was talking about her response to listening to the Cole song, like, 
if she was a little skeptical of this all at first. Like, what's he doing with my song? What's going on now? Yeah. Like, are they, is this for real? Is he really complimenting me? What's what's the scoop here? Yeah, I, I got that too. And and she wasn't, she didn't sound like she was very excited uh, that when she first heard it. You know, she was like, play that again. And then um, I thought it was interesting when she said that, you know, she was surprised that it was that song that they chose, but, uh, you know, someone chose to remake it, which... I mean, I I know she has other hits, but I mean, I wouldn't have been that surprised, I don't think. The other thing that she said that I thought was pretty interesting is why she couldn't do a Christian album um, about maybe like she didn't seem to have any issues with the music being sincere. She just didn't think that like that genre would embrace her because she's coming from country music. And that that's a lot of. That's how like country music perceives pop music. Like we're always a little skeptical of pop stars. I didn't realize that was the Me case. Me neither. And I, and I hope maybe we put something in her head that she should just do it because I feel like the music would speak for itself. You know, people are always going to be like, "Well, you you can't come over here, country artist," and blah blah blah. But like, look at people like Jelly Roll. You know, everyone would have been like, "Jelly Roll can't come over here. He's doing rap. He's doing rock." And, um, you know, let the music speak for itself. It seems like she's coming from a genuine place where, you know, she has found God and Jesus and the religion. And I feel like um, I don't think anybody would be upset. I mean, she can obviously sing and she knows what she's doing. I I think uh, at the point that she's at right now, that would make her heart happy. I'd love to see her do it. She kind of referred to Tim McGraw and, and their story together. Are, are you kind of familiar with like how that all shook out or that full story of kind of how Jody got signed and everything? No, no. And I, I thought that was really cool to hear her tell us that and to talk about how she got to tell Tim that. Yeah. So like, I'll try to give a, a short version from memory. Like she was new to town and didn't have a lot of connections and was playing and Tim was signed to Curb at the time and came upon her and he really politicked for her to get a record deal at Curb. And then even through early on in their career, he kind of really kind of politicked for certain songs as singles and I think maybe even helped produce. He did a great duet with her called Bring On The Rain. So, like, he was, like, in all the ways a champion for Jody Messina's music, which was surprising to me that it sounds like there was a long period of time where maybe they didn't keep in touch or they didn't talk until kind of reuniting uh, maybe at a, a festival this last summer but he really championed her and why do you think that is though i wonder why do you think he championed her and why do you think they didn't talk for a while i don't know um why they didn't talk for a while i just i guess maybe they kind of just went their separate ways and fell out of touch as like co-workers tend to do um but like this was like late 90s tim mcgraw like he wasn't he was amidst like the superstardom. Like he might have been like where like a, a Luke Combs is currently. So like it wasn't like he had a lot of time to be out there searching for new artists and producing new artists and stuff like that. Uh but but and he was, you know, he was married, he was starting a family with Faith Hill. So like it's amazing that he, he found the time to do that. It makes me think of early Tim McGraw a little bit differently. Like he, he did have time to be generous with other artists and stuff like that. Unless there's some reason I don't know of. Yeah, and and it really sounded like um, he really thought that, you know, she had talent. And I wonder if he championed Faith Hill that much. Well, she was big at the time, too. I mean, she was her own superstar. <laughs> so, 
he didn't have to do much work there. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I wonder. I, I wonder what Jody and Faith Hill's relationship was, though, because like Sarah Evans has said, like the women of country music back then in the late '90s, it wasn't like it is today, where like Carrie and Miranda are friends, and Ashley McBride and Carly Pierce are friends, and there's sort of there's this network. Like, yeah, everybody was kind of out for their own thing. It wasn't like everybody was pulling for one another. It was it was a little bit more cutthroat back then. I mean, yeah. this is Sarah Evans telling, but. I don't know necessarily that Faith and Jody wouldn't have been pivoted, set against each other by maybe their respective labels. Yeah, well, that, I can see that. Okay, and then is, I don't know, is there an element of what you talking to my man for? Or is there none of that? <laughs> I, I wonder. I mean, you always kind of have to wonder that a, a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just a little bit. I mean, it's. It's obviously not the same, but like, I don't know if if I came home and and just started talking about this this girl that was great on radio and podcasting, and she's the next big thing. I don't think my wife would be suspicious, but I don't know. I everybody's different. I don't know. Well, you've had co-hosts before. Like, what if you got a new co-host on Taste of Country Nights? And you were just, I mean, she was just a smoke show and you were excited about working with her and you're talking to her all the time and you guys are texting and it's all show stuff. Yeah. Like at what point would your wife start checking your texts no, or like she Google her to see what, no, never, uh, no, oh. I don't think so. You know, I don't know. I, I don't think so. It has, it's never really been like that. I mean, I've had some good looking co-hosts or whatnot. <laughs> let's talk about something else well i'll I'll say this my wife's kind of the same way like she's super cool like like never thinks like that but i used to do a lot of traveling for festivals and i think after like a certain festivals or certain festivals and i'm telling stories and she hasn't seen me for a while like i did kind of get a sense that she was like huh yeah we better have a date night real soon yeah Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't I'm want Evan, I'm out on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get Evan, on sl- sleeping on the ca- Evan and sleeping on the couch this weekend. Yeah, All I right. don't like where this is going. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, what questions did you have for Jody that you didn't get to, or what was something that you wanted to know about her coming in um, that you got to ask her and you were finally uh, got got to ask her about? You know... I wanted to know, and, you know, I I don't know. I asked Dirks Bentley what he thought if he would make it into the Country Music Hall of Fame. And he, you know, he was uncomfortable with it. He was like, no, I would never make it in there. So I, I, I don't, I always wonder that, like, especially with icons, like, you know, is there any part of you that thinks there's a chance that you are holding out for, that you are hopeful for? Does it matter to you if you make the Hall of Fame? You know, but I, I don't know if I would have necessarily asked that. Her career was, I mean, she had several hits and she was a good artist, but she didn't like pull home like the big trophies, the female vocalist of the year trophies. I don't know if she was ever a true like, arena headliner on her own um and then she also wasn't someone like dirks part of what makes dirks a hall of famer in my opinion is what he's done 
away from this stage and how he's been like a champion for country and bluegrass music and like everybody knows and loves Dirks, so he has like sort of that industry bond. Uh, I don't know if Joe D has that in the same sort of way. If she's been working behind the stage, behind the scenes, it's been really quiet. So I don't know. I don't yeah. see her as as a future Hall of Famer per se. I, I certainly think an artist like Martina McBride and then Sarah Evans would have to get in before Jody Messina is considered. And I'm yeah. not, I'm not sure either of them are guaranteed to get in. Like Martina probably, Sarah Evans, I'm not sure. Yeah, see that's something that it's kind of I don't I I would want to know, but I don't know if I would ask it. So, you know, that's that to answer your question like that's something I I I might ask one day if I could talk to her again, but I don't know. I feel like with Jody there's stories like you might get better stories from her on like the second or third or fourth interview. You know, as she becomes more comfortable, then she'll start telling the good stories. Yeah, or, I mean, is she so, like, um, religious now that she doesn't want to refer to those, you know? <laughs> and her kids are getting older. Maybe. That's disappointing if true, so, uh, but possibly. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know that she's got some stories. I mean, you got to imagine in the 90s before social media, like country stars on the road, like it was wild, you know? But, uh, yeah, I, I mean... Her kids probably don't know the half of it. Sometimes artists will tell you the good stories like off air and you'll think those stories are safe for air. Like I remember once Randy Owen of Alabama came in a radio station and, and um, the, my PD at the time asked him, I was just getting married. She, he goes like, Randy, Billy's just getting married. Do you have any advice for him? And his advice to me was like, make lots of love. Like he said something like that. And it was great. It was like a great one-liner answer. Like would have been a great on-air moment. So she repeated it on the air. And he he rambled on for like 15 minutes about the importance of communication and this and that. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. He missed the cue. <laughs> it's very true. I mean, it happens. It's happened to us here in the studio before, per se, like. Yeah, you yeah. get the what's before you're rolling tape. You get the what's going on, man, and they tell you like, oh man, just just trying to get rid of this dip in my my swallowed some dip, and then you get them. Hey, what's going on, man? Man, feeling right. great, man. Got my coffee in my hand, you know. Yeah. So it's like it's like I think it's all everyone's like that kind of, especially in this business. It's always a bummer though. Thank you to you for listening to this podcast. It's part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network.